Hallelujah. Amen. What a wonderful name. The name above all names. Hallelujah. Oh, you can't ever say that too much. You know, I like to read a psalm to us before we worship every week because uh, David knew how to worship. The psalmist knew how to worship. He knew how to enter into God's presence. He knew how to get things going where his mind and his heart were focused on the Lord. I want to read to you from Psalms 57. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. My soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. Until these calamities have passed by, I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the ones who would swallow me up. Selah. Just think about that. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps, and my soul is bowed down. They've dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. Selah. Just think about that. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast, and I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn, and I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches under the heavens, and your truth under the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be above all the earth. So this morning, Lord, we choose to exalt you. We choose to lift up your name. We recognize that there are things that are working against us now in our culture, in our nation, in our communities, Lord. We've got this virus. We've got financial issues. We've got all kinds of political issues. We've got a lot of things that are rising up. And I feel like this psalmist sometimes that we're living among a bunch of lions. But you, Lord God, hallelujah, your mercy endures forever. And you are exalted, Lord, among all the heavens. And you will send down your mercy and your grace. And you will send your help down to us, Lord. So we cry out to you this morning, Lord. We choose to worship you. We choose to exalt you. Come now, Lord Jesus. Have your way among us today as we lift you up, Lord. Come and fill this place. Fill each heart that's listening with your spirit and your presence, Lord. Pour out your spirit on us so that we would experience you in all of your fullness and all the cares of this life. We just fade away into nothingness because we're in your presence. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So this morning, Lord, come and be here with us this morning. Speak to us. Change us in your presence, Lord. And help us to keep our eyes on you as we lift up your name. Let's worship together now. Let the exile come, let the stranger come, let the weary come find rest. 
All you homeless sons, all you widowed ones, all you poor and dispossessed, for a table waits in your Father's house, there the meek can come and eat. There's a place of rest at your Father's breast, where his mercy is complete. Does a cry ring out from a broken nation? from a people who have been brought low was pride in our hearts and did we grieve your spirit have we blocked the ancient wells that flow here is our covenant prayer who call upon your tasted grace and we have known your mercy but we have not shown this grace to men here is our covenant prayer who call upon your
may this land we love be a place of safety be a light for all the nations of this earth may your streams of love may they flow here freely here where every stranger finds a home here is our covenant prayer who call upon your
Okay. The last four songs we sang, I believe God is really speaking to us this morning. I'm empty and I know that only you can satisfy, so I'm going to wait on you. All my life I've been called unworthy and voices from the past, but I'm making all things new is what the Lord is saying. And then we are redeemed, shaking off all the old chains, the things that have held us back. And then finally, come to the altar because the Father's arms are open wide. I feel real strongly that there are people that need to hear what God is saying. You've listened to voices from your past. You've listened to condemnation. You've listened to accusations. You've listened to all the wrong voices and you've thought, I'm unworthy and what's the point of it all? I want you to hear what God says. Hebrews 12, or excuse me, Hebrews 10 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Did you hear that? Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. You don't have to keep trying to pay for it. You can't pay for it anyway. But he did it once for all. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There is coming a day when all this life is going to be over. There's coming a day when you'll breathe your last. We'll be taken out. The Lord will come back however it works out. There's coming a day when we're all going to be through with this life. But until then, we need to be so convinced of God's love and God's provision and His mercy that works in our life that, that we're not going to waste time. We're not going to waste one moment thinking about our past except just to try to learn from the mistakes that we've made. 
We're not going to live in regret and, and remorse and what if, woulda, shoulda, coulda, all of that sort of thing, beating ourselves up. We're not going to live in that. We're going to live in the redemption because Jesus has made a new and living way. We can come to the throne of grace boldly and we can ask for grace and mercy. And the Father says, your sins and your iniquities and your trespasses and all of your mess-ups in life, I choose to remember those no more. And what the Father is saying to you this morning is, why don't you come into agreement with me? Trust me so that you don't try to remember those things and dredge them up and pay for them over and over and over again because my sacrifice took care of that once for all. Just agree with me. Choose to not remember your sins anymore. Choose to remember that you've been forgiven and washed in the blood. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's made a new and living way. And we don't have to sacrifice over and over and over again. We don't have to suffer guilt and shame over and over again. We are set free. We are redeemed. The old man is long dead and gone. He has no power of us anymore except what we give him. The Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your provision. This morning, I speak that over everyone listening right now. We are set free. You are making all things new. We choose. We choose your way. I reject and renounce the lies of the enemy, the deception that would tell me that I'm not worthy. I am worthy in you because your sacrifice and your provision has made me worthy and you have made me acceptable in the beloved. Hallelujah. I choose that over my self-condemnation. I choose what you say over what the enemy would say to me. I am redeemed. I am free. I am a new creation. I will walk in the Spirit. I will live in the Spirit. I will not fulfill the lust of my flesh, but I will bring my flesh into submission to you, Lord God. And you alone are worthy. I receive what you say, Father. You say, I am your child. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the redemption. It's in the blood of Christ. Once for all. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that over everyone listening now. For those who struggle with this, I seal this over their hearts and lives so that they, they would be changed forever, that they would always know your love is greater than their past. Your redemption is greater than their failures. And your blood is greater than all their sins. And you have cleansed us by a sacrifice that was once for all by a high priest it lives forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You, Lord God, have made a new and living way. And I thank you, Lord, that it is a free gift. Seal that word in our hearts so I continue to speak that over each one who struggles with condemnation and self-loathing and, and, and anxiety over their past and the unability to forget about it all and just to relax and enjoy your forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you seal this word in their hearts so that we would all be chains forever. Let all those chains and bondage just fall to the side. We'd hear your words. We'd learn to reject and renounce the words of the accuser. 
we are free. And I will walk in freedom because I have been set free by the Son. Hallelujah. And I am free indeed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just let the Lord breathe life into you right now as we sit here. Just, Lord, breathe into us. Holy Spirit, breathe life into us now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for the life and the spirit, Lord, that you've freely given to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Continue your work in our hearts now, Lord. As we enter into your word, I pray that this same spirit, the spirit of life being breathed over us, that your word would become alive, that your word would change us from the inside out, Lord, that our hearts and minds would be set free, that you give us new revelation and insight into who you are, how you see us, and how you want to change us, Lord. We need you, Lord, more of you. Thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. Wow, God is good all the time. You know, one thing I'm convinced of is that sometimes we don't, we don't see the goodness of God because we get so wrapped up and consumed with our struggles from day to day. I think about my own life back uh, before, before I figured out... Uh, some of the bondage that I had going on. The Lord, Lord set me free and I began to see everything so differently. But that song we, uh, we were singing earlier about he's changing all things and making all things new. All I could see was the struggle. There were times that that's all I could see every day. It was just, you know, I was doing the best I could to try to experience God. But all I could see was just problems and struggle. 
And it seemed like that was really, really how I was looking. It's like, you know, how long is this going to go on? Is this just the best it's going to get? And I was discouraged. I, you know, I tried and I did all the things that I knew to do. I'd go to church, I'd pray, I'd do all that stuff, and things were just not really changing until I realized that I was struggling with unforgiveness. And when I dealt with the unforgiveness, it's like these scales just came off of my eyes and I could see everything like it was just bright, clear daylight and there was no problem. And all of a sudden I could see that God was there all the time working. He was there all the time loving me. He was there all the time, and he had never given up. Even though I couldn't feel him like I wanted to, even though I couldn't see how he was working in my life, I realized that he was always there. I'm so grateful that God doesn't give up on us. His love is beyond our comprehension. It's so, it's so long and, and wide and high and deep that we can't comprehend it, and yet... He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to freely give us all things so that we'll begin to understand more about his love, more about his mercy and his grace. And man, when we start singing that stuff, it just reminds me of how far I've come in the last 25 years or so. <laughs> and I can't help but, but get emotional about it because I was not happy. And now I can't hardly get unhappy. I just kind of like someone's got a smile stuck on my face most of the time. I just go around thinking about God's goodness. And, uh, you know, I realize that not everything is perfect in life. I've got struggles. I've got issues. But I've learned it's a whole lot better to choose to think about God's goodness than it is to think about all your problems. Because if you think about the problems, you can get overwhelmed pretty quickly. So, uh, anyway, for whatever that is to whoever... I'm guessing the Lord wanted to share that with you. I just like talking about my past because I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm thrilled that God has changed me and he's given me, he's given me the ability to, to hear his voice more clearly. He's given me the ability to see things more clearly. And I'm not walking around with blinders on and scales on my eyes, but he's, uh, he's working in me to heal me. So... We don't have a whole lot of announcements. I just say uh, that we got a few July birthdays. Everybody's got a birthday this month. Happy birthday. And uh, we're probably going to be uh, live streaming for a few weeks yet. I don't, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have a meeting on Tuesday night and talk about it with the leadership of the body here and make a decision. I kind of feel like uh, until we see some improvement that we probably ought to err on the side of caution, and, but we'll, we'll be letting you know. Um, in the meantime, I don't think there's anything wrong with us uh, live streaming and enjoying God's presence together or separately. Distance is not a problem with the Lord. He is close to all of us who know him. And so I like meeting with you in person. I miss you when we don't meet in person. But on the other hand, it's all going to be all right. This is not going to be forever. Um, I think that's it. Let's move on into the Word. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, wounds of the soul again. And we're 
I think we're in part nine. I lose track sometimes. I try to name them and number them, but I think sometimes I forget one here or there. I've been talking about it forever, it seems like, but that's okay. Today we're going to talk about pride. And uh, <clears throat> we talked about bitterness last week, and uh, I said it was a, a subject that was near and dear to my heart, and I think I can say the same thing about pride. You know, we're, we all have some pride. Uh, and maybe we don't recognize it, maybe we don't think we're proud, but that doesn't mean that we don't have issues with pride. But I, I want to encourage you, uh, let the Lord speak to you this morning, because whether you think you're free of pride or not, uh, I assure you, you have some pride working in your life. Just like uh, you probably have some bitterness, and you probably have some unforgiveness, you've probably got some anger, and some jealousy, probably got... Uh, some rebellion and stubbornness going on. We've all got that stuff going on in our life on some level. Maybe you've gotten victory over the big items, but I can assure you that we all still have issues in our lives because we're not, we are not fully redeemed yet. We are in the process of being changed. Even though we've been saved and our names are written in the book of life, we still have a lot of chains to to see happen in our personal lives. So I want to read a passage of scripture to you to kind of start the whole uh, discussion today about pride. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 11. <clears throat> Peter's talking, and he says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a, a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. I shepherd the flock of God which is among you, and uh, you're serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. <clears throat> Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The point of reading all this to you is that we are supposed to be humble, not proud. And there's this contrast in Scripture. It's pretty consistent from uh, the very beginning all the way through the end. The contrast of uh, the humble and the proud or humility and pride. The contrast of good and evil. Uh, pride is such an offensive thing to God that uh, it, I mean, he talks about it quite a lot, and he resists the proud. 
And I would submit to you also that pride's pretty offensive to us. You know, nothing quite like someone that is proud, really proud, that just talks about themselves all the time, talks about all of their accomplishments, talks about what they have, talks about it's me, 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 always about me. Everything I have is the best. I've never, nobody's had like this, you know. You know, I've, I kicked the dirt. Well, I just kicked the dirt better than anybody's ever kicked the dirt before. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so over the top sometimes, and there are people that are like that, and you can kind of take them in little bits and pieces, but, man, you've got to hang around very long. It just gets old. And uh, people that talk about themselves all the time, Pride is, is offensive, and I think it's especially offensive to God because He is God, and we're not. And anyone who approaches God from a perspective of, of his own or her own worthiness or of their own accomplishments or of their own goodness or their own sacrifices their own great character, their own trustworthiness and faithfulness. You could just go on and on. When that's the way you approach God, I think it's pretty offensive to him because he's looking at us and he sees us just as we are, that we're, he knows we're mindful, he's mindful that we are from dust and we are flawed and broken and, and all of that. And yet he sees all of the good in us and he loves us and appreciates us for who he sees us to be, and yet he's not just oblivious to the fact that we are totally unworthy. But he chooses to overlook our unworthiness, and he chooses to apply the worthiness of the sacrifice of Christ so that we can put on those garments of righteousness. So it, it, it's a weird concept because on one hand, God is fully aware that we're a bunch of miserable louses, and yet... He's also, he looks at us and he says, I love you because you're my child and I'm overlooking all your flaws and all your brokenness and all I'm choosing to look at is the fact that you are redeemed and I'm looking at who you're going to be. As you walk with me, you're going to be changed from glory to glory and you're going to continue to change and one day you're going to be with me in glory and then you're going to be fully glorified and you're going to be like me because you're going to see me just like I really am. That's the way God sees us. Now, there's somebody else that sees you totally differently. The devil sees you as someone that's uh, got problems. He sees you as someone that's, that's messed up and broken, someone that he can exploit, someone that he can accuse, someone that he can uh, basically just work you over day and night if you let him. And that's what he chooses to do. He, he is the... That's what his name actually means, the accuser. He is our adversary. He is, up, he is opposed to us. So he is not for you. He is against you. God is for you. He believes and says good things about you. The devil is against you. And he says and does bad things to you and against you. So pride is a quality that was exhibited by the devil. And so when we are proud, we are being like him. And, you know, our Father wants us to be like him. And Jesus one time was 
he was talking to the Pharisees and uh, they, were, they were accusing him of some things and um, he basically compared him to the devil because they were accusing him and they were not receiving his word and he said, if you receive my word, uh, if you knew the Father, you would receive my word, but because you don't receive my word, you're being like your father. And of course, they got into this discussion then. They said, well, our father is Abraham. And he said, well, if your father was Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. And they said, well, we're not illegitimate. We are from Abraham, and God is our father. And he said, well, if God was your father, you'd believe me because he's the one that sent me. And all the things that I say are what he has told me to say. And he said, but instead, you are like your father, the devil, because he was a murderer, has been from, from the very beginning, and he's also a liar. He's the father of all lies. Of course, they didn't really appreciate his, uh, his insight into their heart and life, but, the, but it was true because they were, they were so full of pride and so fearful of losing their position that they couldn't see the truth of what God was showing them. So the very thing that they claimed they were representing, which was the kingdom of God, they were, they were missing out on all of it because of their pride. They were totally blinded to all that God was trying to reveal to them. So Peter says that we should uh, resist the devil. We should submit ourselves to God because God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So the worst thing that could happen to you would be that God would be resisting you. And so if you're proud, then basically God, he will resist you. And so we get, there are times in our life that uh, when our pride becomes an issue, we, we begin to struggle with all kinds of things. Maybe we don't recognize what's going on, but when things are not going well in your life, you probably ought to reevaluate and you ought to start doing a little check of your heart and be thinking, okay, so did I have... Do I have unforgiveness? Do I have rebellion in my heart? Am I, am I walking in anger, bitterness? Have I got uh, pride working? Something is going on. Because if you're, getting, if you're getting resistance, you're not experiencing the presence of the Lord like you would, you would want or you think you should be, then you probably have something in your heart that needs to be dealt with. Because God doesn't change. See? Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, forever. God doesn't change. He never changes. So if you're not experiencing the relationship with God that you have in the past, something has changed, but it's not God. There's something in you that has changed that is causing a, a block. So, you know, in football, you know, they got the Heisman Trophy. Well, you know, the, the trophy, it's actually the you know, the guy, he's stiff-armed, you know. And you don't want to be stiff-armed by God. But when you have pride, when you have pride working in your life, that's exactly what happens. You come to God, and you say, God, and he's like, eh, can't come near me with that pride. He doesn't, you know, I'm not saying he's going to send you to hell. He just, you can't approach God with pride. He resists the proud. So if you're getting opposition in your life, There's, there's only three sources of opposition. That would be the devil, it would be people, and it would be God. And 
the proper response to the devil when you get in opposition is you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you're having opposition from people, you humble yourself and you submit yourself to people. That's what Peter said. I was reading in Proverbs and it said, you know, when your ways please the Lord, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. So if you get an opposition from people, humble yourself. You know, it's pretty hard for people to, to stay mad at you when you're, when you're humble. Now, if you get, you get in their face and you argue with them, they can stay mad at you real easy. But if you, if you humble yourself, it kind of tends to just diffuse everything. And the final source of opposition would be from God. And it's the same response. Submit yourself to God. And it says that he will exalt you in due time. Now, Peter says that uh, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I was reading about the, the roaring lion. I, was, I never really even thought about it. You know, why do lions roar? And, uh, and this is what the zookeeper said. He said they roar because they're basically telling everybody this is my territory and I control it. That makes perfect sense then because Satan is, he is the ruler of this world. And he is going around like a roaring lion saying, this is my territory. I'm the big boss here. And he's not with us as Christians. And yet, if we will allow him to intimidate us into believing that, then we'll get, we'll get what he's dishing out. If we reject that, then we'll get what God is dishing out. I choose God personally. It's a whole lot better because Jesus came to give life more abundantly and the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So there's, <clears throat> if you're walking in pride, as we used to say around our house, you're cruising for a bruising. You're going to experience some really bad things in your life when you walk in pride. If you're humble then God can bless you and he can work with you. But if you're walking around in pride, well, some bad things happen. One of them is you don't see very clearly and you don't hear very clearly and you're probably going to be talking about things that you shouldn't be talking about and you're going to be thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking about because you're full of pride. When you're full of pride, Nothing is going right in your life because everything is out of order because that's not the way we were created to function. We were created to function with humility to our Father. Isaiah 14 uh, is a passage that everybody likes to read in relation to pride and, uh, and the devil. Beginning of verse 12, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Now, that word Lucifer, it actually means 
shining and morning star. And I never really knew this before, but that's the only place that's in the Bible, and it's in the, new, in the King James. And it was actually not until good old St. Jerome uh, put out the Latin Vulgate that, uh, that that was in there. Up to that point, it had always said morning star. Now, this passage of Scripture is talking about the king of Babylon. And you read it in context, it is obviously talking about the king of Babylon. But it also is a clear, a clear representation of Satan because they both were filled with pride and they both reacted in the same way. So there's some words that people throw around sometimes in uh, Christendom that uh, maybe you understand, maybe you don't, but they say this was a type of Christ. Uh, so a type of Christ would be something that represents who he was. It helps us understand who he was. So the Passover lamb was a type of Christ. Jesus Christ himself was actually an antitype. So a type and an antitype. The type is something that represents it. The antitype is the thing itself. So in this case, uh, this passage of scripture it's, it's showing the king of Babylon as a type of Satan. And Satan himself is the antitype. And he also is later, you know, he becomes the type of the, the antichrist. Satan is, uh, he is shown here to be who he really is. Now, when he came to Adam and Eve in the garden as in the form of the serpent and was talking to him, he didn't, he didn't tell them that he was going to ruin their lives and cause all the problem that he did. He just he started talking to them, and, and he got them to, to get involved in a conversation. And that's one of the first things the devil tries to do is get you in, into a conversation. And when he starts talking, you would be well advised to quit listening and, and get out of that situation so that you're not listening to him anymore. The only kind of conversation you need to have with the devil is go in Jesus' name. Beyond that, you really don't need to have any discussion with him. So Adam and Eve got into a discussion, and the devil began to tell them, you know, he, just casting doubt. That's what he, that's what he does best, is uh, tries to twist the truth a little bit, tries to get you to think that maybe God is not really all that he says he is. Maybe you're missing out on something that you really ought to have. You know, the devil will, will uh, he will do that over and over and over throughout your life. He will try to, to use the truth and he'll twist it against you and he'll try to get you discouraged or frustrated or angry or cause you to doubt God. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of modern theology about uh, prosperity, and I believe in prosperity. I think it just depends on how you interpret all that, and uh, I believe that God wants us to be prosperous. And I believe this is what prosperity is in the kingdom of God. It's, it's having enough for today, and knowing that, that you can walk in the fullness of the Spirit and the joy of the Spirit 
and you can be content in whatever state you're in and that God's grace is sufficient and that one day you're going to be in eternal glory. That's pretty prosperous. Doesn't get any better than that. Now, is it true that in the United States of America that anyone can become wealthy and successful? Well, technically, yes, it's true. I mean, no one's holding you back from that. Are you going to experience that? Maybe not, because the people who actually experience that are, are a smaller percentage of our population. So the devil could come to you and use that truth against you and tell you, well, if that's the case, why is it that God's not letting you be like that? Why are you not a multimillionaire? Why are you not prospering like that? And then you start thinking, well, why is that? And first thing you know, you're having this debate between you and the devil, and then you're beginning to wonder, why is God holding that back from me? Why is he not giving me that like he did Joe Blow over there? Well, those are the type of conversations you're best just to say, Lord, I'm so thankful that you've saved me and you've redeemed me and you've written my name in the book of life and you've blessed me and I have enough for today and I'm trusting you for tomorrow and I am filled with your love and your peace and your joy and I know your grace is going to carry me through. That's the kind of conversation you need to have when those thoughts begin to come because if you start thinking about all the other, you're cruising for a bruising because you're listening to the wrong voices. So, these are the things that Satan said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. You notice it's me, 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 me. I will do this. I will do that. I'm going to be. I, 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 I. That's what the devil does. He talks about himself, and he talks about all all that he is going to do and all that he's done. And that's what he does to us. He comes and he says, you know, I'm going to ruin your life. I'm going to make your life miserable because you're a flop, a failure. And I'll show you all the places where you flopped and failed. I'll remind you of it every day, all day long, because you're not ever going to be different. And I'm going to do this to you because I control you. That's what the devil wants to get us to believe. He comes and he talks to us. But God has something totally different to say. We need to get on board with what God is saying. What God says is that, that I have a plan for you, and it's a good plan. Listen to my word. Don't listen to what the devil says. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. Pride of life, that's what, that's what the world is all about. You know, the world talks a lot about that. You look at commercials, uh, you hear advertisements, you listen to politicians, you listen to uh, sports broadcasters and celebrities. I mean, it's all about their accomplishments and what's great in the world and what we ought to be working towards. Everybody has their own concept of what success and failure is, and God's concept of success and failure is totally different than the world's. And we as believers need to understand what God says about us and what it takes to be a success 
And a failure in God's eyes is totally different than the world's eyes. I really believe that the only way that you would be a failure in God's eyes is if you never receive him and let him be your Lord. That would be the failure that you would want to avoid at all costs because eternity is a really long time. And success in God's eyes is all of those who have said, yes, I choose you. I choose to let you be my Lord. Come and live in my heart. I choose eternity with you. That's success. And, and everything that happens in this life, you know, whether you're, you're rich and famous or you're average and mediocre or you're just downright poor and miserable and broken, those things don't even matter. Those are all just conditions of life that are going to pass away. This life is such a short, fleeting thing. The Bible talks about it as being like, like a blade of grass or a flower. You know, it blooms today and then it withers and dies and it's gone. A puff of smoke, a vapor. You know, we're here today, gone tomorrow. If all of our whole existence on this planet was miserable, it would still be worth it to know that we have eternity to be in glory. Now, I don't want to be miserable, and I don't want to wish that on you, but on the other hand, the right perspective kind of changes everything about how we view it. And so if we have the right perspective, understand that God has a plan for us and that God has given us certain things that we can always count on, then we look at everything with a totally different viewpoint and we don't walk around feeling uh, frustrated or discouraged or depressed or, or concerned about uh, the future because we know that God holds the future right there in the palm of his hand. He holds us. That's a safe place to be in his hand. 1 Timothy 3, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's talking about character qualities for leaders. He says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Then he goes on and he lists all these character qualities, you know, the good things. He ought to be humble and he ought to uh, be a, a good father and a good parent. He ought to be a good leader and he ought to not be a drunkard. And, you know, he lists all those things. And then he says he ought not be a novice, lest he being puffed up with pride fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, those who are not believers, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, I'm telling you, if you walk in pride, you're going to be like the devil. You're going to be saying, I will, I will, I will, I did, I did, I did, I do, I do, I do, I want, I want, I want, I am, I am, I am, you know, me, 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 it's all about me. You don't want to be that way. And, and most of us are probably thinking, why is he preaching about this? But there are times in your life even, even though you may be a really humble person, there are times that you have some pride that's working. And pride can show itself up in, in some unusual ways. Because even, even when you are full of self-loathing, that's a form of pride. And you think, well, how can that be? Because you really are talking about how unworthy you are. Well, it's because you're thinking about yourself. 
And when you're thinking about yourself, then that's a form of pride. It's all me, 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 me. I'm so unworthy. I'm so, I'm so messed up. I'm so broken. I can never be successful. I can never, you know, that's the same thing as saying how great you are. You're just saying it the opposite way. And what you're really doing is saying that God didn't make me right. God didn't know what he was doing. He messed it all up when he made me. And he can't fix me. His redemption is not strong enough. The blood of Christ is not enough to forgive my sins. And so I'm just going to keep talking about all my failures and all my flaws and all my problems. And I'm just going to remind myself all day long how unworthy I am. Blah, blah, blah. That's, you have bought into one of the lies that the devil throws out there. And it's a form of pride. And when God, when God sees us reacting that way, it is just as offensive as when we're saying, I don't need your sacrifice because I'm good. I'm okay. When we're saying, I'm so messed up and broken that your blood's not enough, that's pretty offensive to God. So which is worse, to say your sacrifice isn't enough or to say, I'm good enough on my own, I don't need you? It's about the same difference. They're both expressions of pride. And they'll both get you into trouble because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So there's this weird balance between recognizing that we are, that we are flawed and broken, that we have problems, and yet not, not buying into the concept that that's who we are, who we're always going to be. I know where I came from. I know what I've come out of, but I know where I'm going. And I know that God has a plan for me that's a good plan. And I'm, I'm staying the course. I'm staying in his plan because I am being changed, transformed daily in his presence from glory to glory. He's changing me. And I'm staying in that process. His sacrifice was once for all, but the sanctification process in us is something that is ongoing. In other words, we are cleansed we're made right with God. We're, we're clothed with righteousness so we can come to him boldly. But the process is ongoing because he's changing our heart. We're changing the way that we think. We're changing the way that we speak, the way that we react to situations and people. Those are all parts of how God is working in us and changing us over and over and over again. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright within him. In other words, he is out of whack. If you're walking in pride, you are not walking uprightly. I mean, you may think you're upright. You may be thinking about all the good things you've done and how great you are, um, you know, but you're out of whack. The just shall live by faith. And that is when we put our trust in who God is and what he has done and what he's accomplished in us, not what we've done in our own strength, not what we are doing in our own strength, but our trust and our faith is in him. If you walk in pride, you're walking out of whack. And you're going to be and you're going to be experiencing difficulties because God resists the proud. 
A haughty spirit and pride is before destruction and failure. If you don't want to experience failure and brokenness, then be humble. Because God resists the proud. And if you're, if you're walking in pride, you've got pride in your, in your background. Maybe you've got a root of pride that you were born with. Maybe, you know, your family told you we're the best. You know, man, it doesn't get any better than, than our family. You know, we've got rich people in our background. We've got business owners. We've got, you know, man, we were the politicians. We were the leaders of the community. We owned everything. We're the smartest. We're the best. We got the the straightest rows in our field, we got the best equipment, we got the best way of singing, the best way of playing the guitar, we can do it all. I mean, we are the best. And there's, there's nothing wrong with recognizing your family's accomplishments and who you are, but, but you can have a root of pride in you that it works against you. And at some point, you have to be willing to Kind of lay all that down and just say, God, I recognize that I need you. And all of who I am is not enough. And everything that my family has done, everything that's been passed down to me, good or bad, that's not amounting to a hill of beans in relation to you. Because when you come to God, you come to him with nothing. I mean, you ha everything you have to offer totally worthless to God. He wants your heart, but you can't earn anything with God. You can't come and lay all your accomplishments out and say, you know, I got my Bible college degree, I got my ordination, I got my... That's nothing. Yeah, that doesn't impress God. God looks at our hearts and he says, I see who you are. I see that you've come and you've submitted yourself to me and you said, here I am. I need you. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. That's the way God wants us to come to him. And it doesn't matter who you are, our response is always the same. God wants us to come and just acknowledge our great need for him. He can work with that. James 4 says he gives more grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. First Samuel, he was talking to uh, Saul, and he said, Saul had, had disobeyed a direct command from the Lord, and Samuel said, you really, you messed up. And he said, so because of that, God is going to take the kingdom away from you. He said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, rebellion in my mind, it's kind of like the final stage of pride. Rebellion means that you're, you're wanting to be in control. You want what you want, and that's what you want, 
and that's what you're going to do, and that's what you're going to get. The reason rebellion is like witchcraft is because witchcraft is basically a manipulation of, of things, and it is getting what you want, promoting your desires at the expense of others. You know, witches are always uh, about casting spells and doing things. They're trying to manipulate circumstances so that they can control things. And when you rebel, when you're in open rebellion to God, that's what you're really saying. I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. That's a bad place to be. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. The stubbornness is it's a form of uh, the final results of unrestrained arrogance and presumption. My way is the only way, and I believe it's right, and I'm going to do what I want to do because I don't need God or need anything else. I've got it all figured out. I know what I'm doing. I'm the ruler of, over the affairs of my life. I don't need God or anybody else. I am stubborn. That's those two qualities, rebellion and stubbornness, they got to be just about the most offensive thing to God because the creator of the entire universe, everything, the creator of it all is saying, I've got a good plan for you. Let me work it for you in your life. And we say, no, i got a better idea. I'll do it my way. i got it figured out. I'm good. I don't need you. I don't need you or anybody. That's got to be really offensive to God. So he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And God works in us by grace. Grace is how we accomplish everything that we accomplish in the spiritual world. In the kingdom, everything is done by his grace. And so we ought to make a practice of humbling ourselves. And that would happen as we begin to think of ourselves the way that God thinks of us, that we would begin to think of other people the way that God thinks of them. Philippians 2, Paul talks about how Jesus came to earth. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robber to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those in earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, Eddie, y'all can come back. So in that passage in Isaiah, there were five things that he was saying, I will, I will, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne, I will sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. 
And in Philippians 2, this is what Jesus did. Five things that are directly opposite of what the devil did. Jesus came, he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant. He came in the likeness of men. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the most gruesome, humiliating death of all, a crucifixion. That's the difference between pride and humility. Pride is saying, I will. Humility is saying, your will. Pride is saying, this is who I am, what I'm going to do. Humility is saying, this is who you are. This is what you've done. It's all about us learning to say yes to God. Every day in our lives. And so, in relation to, to wounds of the soul, what I'm saying to you is that areas in your life where you have unforgiveness or anger or bitterness or pride or things, we've been talking about different things for weeks now. Those all leave wounds in our souls, our inner man. They become part of us. But God wants to heal us. God wants to set us free of that so that we're not walking around as an expression of bitterness or unforgiveness or pride or anger or jealousy or wrath or rage or rebellion, but we can, we can live our lives in the fullness of the Spirit, in the humility of walking with the Lord and not in our flesh, we can begin to overcome evil with good in our lives. We can begin to be healed and walk in the, in the newness of life, not in the oldness of the flesh. But we have to be healed. We've got to let God reveal those things to us. Let him show us areas where we've, we've got parts of our life that the devil has, has been occupying and controlling. Maybe it's just a little piece here, a little piece there, but we all have areas that we need to be set free. We're talking about pride today. And so, Lord, this morning, as we worship you in these final two songs, we invite you to come speak to us. Show us areas where we might have pride operating, where we failed to humble ourselves correctly before you. Maybe we're a little too proud of our accomplishments. Maybe we're a little too proud of our family heritage. Maybe we're a little too proud of of what we've done, even for you, even good things that we've done. Lord, we want to keep all of that in perspective and recognize that it's only in you. It's only in you, Lord, can we glory, because we can't glory in anything of our flesh. Speak to us now. Bring revelation to us. In Jesus' name, let's worship.
this morning, I confess that I need you, Lord, to show me areas where pride is still working in me, areas where I'm puffed up, areas where I'm talking about my accomplishments or where I'm talking about my failures from the wrong perspective. I want to I see myself the way you see me, Lord. So this morning, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to shine your light into me. Expose every area, every root of wickedness, every root of pride, every root of bitterness or anger or resentment or judgment. 
I want to be like you, Father. I don't want to be an accuser of the brethren. I don't want to think of myself more highly than I ought to think. I want to, I want to esteem others highly. I want to think of others more than I think of myself. I want to be like you, Lord Jesus. Expose all those areas in me. Send those rays of, of glory to me and heal me, Lord Jesus. Let the sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings in me and heal me and raise me up to newness of life that I wouldn't walk around with, with wounds of pride in my soul, but I'd be healed and set free, delivered, that I can walk in humility every day. Lord, let your spirit remind me every day that you alone are God, that you alone are the Redeemer, that you alone are worthy, that all I am and have and ever will be is because of what you are and what you've accomplished in me, Lord. I receive that healing. I receive that cleansing. I rejoice in that, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me. And I reject and renounce all the, the lies of the enemy, all the deceit that I've believed, all the, the self-loathing and condemnation that I've experienced and I've agreed with, and all the, the self-righteousness that I've agreed with. I reject all that. I renounce you, devil. You're a liar and the father of all lies. You're a murderer from the very beginning. I cast you out in Jesus' name. You have no right or authority in me any longer. I will be free because the Son has made me free. Hallelujah. Rejoice over that now as we worship the Lord.
God. There it is, right there, the dawn of heaven's light. Lord, we thank you for the light that has shined into our hearts today. Thank you for the revelation of who you are, Lord. The revelation of who we are. We know who we've been. We know who we're becoming. And we are becoming like you, Lord Jesus. Show us who you are, Lord, every day. Let us see you and experience you so that we can become like you. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. Amen. I love you and we'll see you next week. <laughs>